Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. I'm Douglas L., your host. You can now contact me directly via text, 919-675-1058. That's 919-675-1058. Or join our Facebook group at the Anon Podcast. That's T-H-E-A-N-O-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T to fellowship with other guests. This podcast aims to be a commentary and discussion of Narcotics Anonymous literature, aiming to enrich the recovery experience of those who are on this beautiful journey. This podcast should not replace contact with your sponsor, your involvement with Stepwork, or participation in the fellowship. Please use this podcast as another resource toward our collective growth as addicts in recovery. We're simply addicts seeking recovery. Nothing more, and for sure, nothing less. Now let's get started. By the time many of us show up to our first meeting, we have broken the trust of many people in our lives. For some of us, There wasn't a single person left in our lives who would believe us even if we told them the sun rises in the east. No matter how many people we burned in active addiction over and over again, one person was more likely than any to be skeptical of anything we said, ourselves. This is one of the huge stumbling blocks that stops many of us from truly feeling hope when we first get clean. We know ourselves. We can't be trusted. Sometimes people in our lives looked at the way we used and accused us of having no willpower, but the truth of the matter was that we had so much self-will that we had lost all freedom to choose. There was no space between our impulses and our actions. Getting clean? Sure, no problem. We can do that just fine. That is until we feel like using. Then, all bets are off. One of the most courageous things we have to do in order to get clean is to allow a little bit of hope into our spirit. Defying all of the evidence to the contrary, we have amassed in our active addiction. People who use the way we use don't get clean. But then we find ourselves in rooms filled with people who use the way we used, and they're clean. Allegedly, maybe. Is it possible? Self-will, impulsive behavior, obsession, and compulsion, even though many of us came to NA blaming the world around us for our problems, a lot of us felt deep down that we were too flawed to have the lives we wanted. In NA, we found people with flaws just as deep as ours, and they taught us how to become free. It's hard to see a way forward when I am standing in my own way. I will let other addicts show me how to step aside and find a way out. Welcome back, everyone. This is October 4th, and we're here with Junior. What's happening, Junior? Not too much, just living the dream. Junior, can you tell us your clean date, where you attend meetings, and can you give your home group a shout out? I am at the New Beginnings Group in Brantford, Ontario, and my clean date is July 22nd, 2017. All right. Just celebrated five birthday cakes. Yeah, right. that I nice. did. Cool. All right, Junior. So we're going to transition to the reading. Can you share your thoughts on hope and a new way forward? I have always doubted the idea of hope. And it wasn't until I came to this room, the rooms that I had to explore my fears surrounding it, especially in how I was afraid to have hope in other people. 
I think that a lot of the barriers and blockages I had around hope was the idea of connecting to others and that I wouldn't be let down. And in the rooms, I was given the opportunities to have people have faith in me. Mm. I never truly experienced that before. In, in my active addiction, I, I entered active addiction not having hope or faith in myself at all and progressively lo losing, you know, faith in the idea that I could get better, mm. that I could heal, that I could connect to others and the people I surrounded myself with, it didn't necessarily help me bring forward any type of um, hope or belief in, in people. And that stuff doesn't go away the day we get clean either, right? It's like we bring that stuff right with us. And and so what was it? So what was what was that first experience like when when somebody actually did say, no, you know what, Junior, we we believe in you. We're here. You can do this. You know, what was that experience like? You know, I actually came into the rooms a couple of years before I managed to string together some clean time. And I think the first glimmers of having any form of hope was my first meeting when I came in. There was an older gentleman who has long since passed who just looked at me and said, welcome home. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for me, my biggest, uh, my it felt like a spiritual awakening to really embody step one in the sense of reaching out and calling someone when I was struggling. Every relapse that I had, it was because I, I really doubted the idea that I could reach up and uh, reach out and really connect to someone when I was struggling. And when I was feeling the urge to use, and the first time I did that, that was when I, that was all she wrote. You know, I'm glad that you bring that up too, because it, it's, uh, you know, in the template of, of people coming back in, like, you, you know how we, we talk about there's no model to recover an addict, right? Basic text is really clear. And I think sometimes that gets like taken out of context a little bit because it's like, well, there, there, to a degree, there is, there is a like a model of the recovering addict. It's like, Hey, look, I'm committed to staying clean no matter what happens today. Like that's, you know, that's what happened when we start our day off with, with that. It's like, you know what? I have hope that I can make it through whatever situation clean, et cetera. And when you're talking about not being able to call and reach out and connect with people when you're feeling like using, and then you feel isolated and all that, you know, when we take a step back and, and look at that, you, it, it, it's not a surprise to anybody. We get high in that situation. It just isn't. What else is there left to do for for people like us? So, so Junior, could you could you if we have folks listening in who are saying, I've either I've been there or I'm there right now, where it's like, man, fuck it, I don't want to call, I don't want to shed light on what's going on and where I'm at. Like, what do we have to do to get from that point to the point where you're you're talking about you just hey, I fucking I dialed I dialed the number, said yo, this is what's going on. Like, how do we get from being stuck to being able to do that? I think in it really helps to recognize this is not an isolated experience that people in addiction transitioning to recovery have. And that's it's not often 
talked upon except for the encouragement to just pick up the phone and reach out. One of the things that I started to implement was actually getting to know some of the people in the program and connecting to them when I'm not feeling a compulsion to use. Mm. And it's recognizing that it's not an isolated incident that, you know, I, I cannot think of addicts in recovery who at the start of their recovery, they don't struggle with reaching out because far more of us are safer in isolation at the end of our, our addiction, at the end of our bottom. And, you know, and at the end of our rope, really, it's, it's difficult to make that connection. But recognizing it in recovery, that's not... People aren't alone in that experience. And I didn't think that I would be able to reach out and connect when I was feeling that compulsion. And I mean, I I have hope that I can do that even with smaller things or smaller things be- before they become bigger issues in my life today to be able to pick up the phone and, and reach out to my sponsor and reach out to people in the program to just share what's going on, even if it's just a little spiral and a little hurt and a, not a compulsion to use, because I have hope that, that that can help reset my brain. And that's something that I had to find out for myself, that reaching out, connecting to someone who understands what's going on, or could even just listen to help. It, it's a big game changer. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. Like we've all had the experience, like reaching out and calling people, you know, it's like, and and, and I think sometimes when we're new, we think, damn, I'm the only one who has to pick up the phone and call somebody. It's like, nah, the people you're calling had to do the same thing. Right. And, 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 and the really neat thing when you talked about is like, look, I need to be able to reach out before, you know, it's one of those heavy lifts where I'm feeling like getting high and then making that call, you know, the, the, the other things and the old timers had us, it was just expected of all of us, you know, when I got clean that we were going to call our sponsor every day and two other guys in the program every day, no matter what. And every meeting we went to, um, we had to share at the first part of the meeting, you know, like a one or two minute check-in. And what that did was it, it, exactly what you're talking about, exactly what you're talking about. I I learned how to introduce myself and, and to share when I didn't have shit going on. But every night I was doing that, like a 30 second check in, maybe a minute check in. If I had something going on, maybe that was two minutes. But I, I learned how to do that. And then when I had shit going on, it was easy for me to just be like, yo, I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. Bam. Here it is. And the same thing with calling people, calling those couple people every day. Then when I had shit, I needed to call them. I was like, hey, man, this is what I do. I just make the call, you know. So, so Junior, how about this? Have you had the experience where you're the person on the other side of the phone now? Have, have folks had to reach out and what, what's that like? It is a feeling of gratitude that someone is willing to reach out and to comment on what you said there, building those um, feelings of safety, trust and belonging. That's not NA contingent. It's not recovery contingent when starting to formulate a different way of life, building that sense of safety and trust is just crucial and I've found for me when I've come across newcomers especially you know younger newcomers you know under their 30s or younger I try to establish a connection in the form of texting and just checking in that way even as a friend 
so that when they feel the compulsion to use, they can text, they can reach out and call. And it is a really beautiful experience to be able to have someone call and reach out because I it's the opportunity to to offer a different way even if it's just talking out through some of the pain hey, let me not even in. junior let me dig in on that piece all right because and I say this really lightheartedly but kind of serious but 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 pretty lighthearted so so my one friend uh you know she says it really it, it's kind of funny when she goes and she says and and we didn't have we couldn't text when I got clean so there there wasn't none of this shit texting my sponsor to check in you know and, and so my question to you is is like where are we at with that like a check-in with a sponsor is that is a text message good like are we are we cool with the the text check-in or or do we kind of like lean towards hey texts are cool but but you know call me each day for the check-in like what where do we find ourselves at with that I think in terms of the younger generation especially but I'm, I've had sponsor like sponsees that are twice my age, and those that they're typically the ones that stick around for longer periods of time. But I've found that in establishing just connections through text, it, it doesn't replace and supplant phone calls. But given the you know busyness and, and like increased like constancy of people having to go about their day-to-day lives while trying to adapt to mm. a recovery framework. It's good to start to build that connection through texting. Cause a, a lot of the people I've connected to they're they start as texting first, but I always place importance. If you want to reach out and do connections, you know, let's go with a phone call and I've it's like once a week or more. And I do the same thing with my sponsor. You know, five years in, I will still make time once every week or two weeks, whether it's a, a check, a small check-in squeezed in between or doing step work. That's once or two to two weeks. It's it's still, there's a lot of importance to having that mm. oral connection, like that oral narration and being able to communicate. But for a lot of individuals who are just starting out and especially when they're building upon that friendship sphere trying to connect to others mm-hmm. that's that's something where i found it's gotten it's a little bit easier to start to co- to coerce newcomers to start make bridging <laughs> that gap because it's it's so difficult to try and really push that on on people who are just like getting out of isolation unless they really want it and a lot of people that come in it's a little it's a little bit difficult to foster that type of willingness to connect to people thank you all again for spending your time with us today on the anonymous podcast i encourage you all to focus on that magic six letter word others as we go out into the world stop by the facebook page fellowship with other guests or send me a text let me know if you'd like to be a guest or if you have any ideas on future podcasts until next time i'm your host douglas l namaste and god bless Mm -hmm.